Hello, hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Y'all, one of my favorite things about having a podcast is that it gives me the opportunity to interview people, to ask them information that I personally am just really, really curious about and get to share that with you. And today's topic is one of those areas that I feel like I know absolutely nothing about and I know I'm not alone in this. And so I decided to bring in an expert. Now, I first met today's guest at the Rural Rooted Reunion Retreat in Nashville. What was that? A year ago? Two years ago? I don't know. But I met Sadie and she is such a delightful, delightful human. And today we are going to talk about building wealth. Sadie is a wealth advisor and CEO of Prosper Wealth Management. She enjoys helping her clients financially plan, build wealth, and accomplish their goals financially and in the game of life. Prosper was founded on faith, trust, and honor, and those are the core principles she continues to build Prosper on. She is a mom, farmer's wife, animal lover, and enjoys living each day as big as she can. I will put links in the show notes below to where you can find more information about her, but today we're going to jump right on it. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. Welcome to the show, Sadie. Hey, Kaya. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you here because I'm just going to tell you, I feel like a complete rookie when it comes to wealth, money, investing, all of the things in that area. And I think for me, it was like, it just felt intimidating because numbers felt hard and scary to me. I had this idea that like building wealth or investing meant that I needed to have a ton of money to get started. And so I'm just really excited to jump into this with you. But before we do, I first want to hear the backstory of how you kind of got into this line of work in the first place. Yeah. So the good news is, is uh, every game you play, you have to have a rookie year. So we'll touch on that in a bit. Ooh, but I love that. I grew up um, with two entrepreneurs as parents and just kind of had that natural spirit in me. I went off to college, opened a business while I was in college, ended up selling it. And my financial advisor was like, hey, you get this, you understand it. I think there could be a path for you in this line of work. And I kind of I don't want to say blew him off. I was like, I don't know about that because it seemed like a big, scary industry to me at the time. Little did I know six months later, I would be jumping into it uh, feet first. And I was a portfolio manager for high net worth clients at a company for a while. And then I ended up taking a year off to spend some time with my family during COVID and, and help out um, with my husband on the farm. And it led to me kind of realigning with my true passion of wealth management and um, Prosper was born. And for an entire year, I planned, I thought about what it looked like um, for the small business owner, for the family, for farmers and ranchers, what legacy planning looked like. How could I help these people that I cared so deeply about set the next generation up for success and their self up for success in the future? And that is, that's how Prosper was born. I love that. 
You know, even just hearing you explain that you were talking about like financial advising was intimidating as someone who was good at it. And I'm like, yeah, you said high, what did you say? High income clients or high net worth clients. I feel like that whole idea of, yeah, I don't need a financial advisor. I'm telling someone who has high net worth. I'm not there yet. So I don't need to worry about financial planning. Tell me why that's wrong. Well, everyone has to start somewhere, right? And we're we're all born into different situations and we're all um, experiencing every day. We have different experiences with money and in our past or history we have that create a money bias or a money mindset. And one of the biggest misunderstandings in my industry is this mindset that you have to come from wealth or have wealth to be able to be in a, really the investment pool strategy game. And that's not true. So I did work with high net worth clients, loved it. I learned a wealth of knowledge there and it was a great experience. But I really, you know, focused on Prosper being able to serve the first time investor, the families, the small business owners, farmers and ranchers. And of course, you know, I have high net worth clients, but I also have, you know, entrepreneurs who are opening their first investment account. I have college kids who are striving to do better and get ahead. I'm kind of all over the board. And really the misconception is just that you have to come for money or have a bunch of money in your pocket to get into um, the stock market and even the investing game. And it's it's just not true. So in theory, if I have $5 to my name, can I start investing today? You technically can. Um, yes, I always, I like to walk through kind of a holistic approach with my clients, which I actually do this in my consultation call. We walk through kind of your balance sheet, right? As a person assets, debt, where you're at. Do we have an emergency fund set up? Um, Are we planning for anything big in the future? Maybe if something you're really passionate about is vacationing, do we have a vacation fund set up? And we try to fill all these buckets that are necessities in your everyday lifestyle and life. And then we start kind of skimming off the top. Where can we cut? Where can we set aside? You know, let's, let's set aside $100 a month and let's, you know, passively invest into the market $100 at a time. To build you up in the first year to $1,200 plus, you know, your return. And all of a sudden, what happens is that starts compounding on one another and you start finding ways as your mindset changes and you're looking for that extra $100. It turns into $200 or $300 and it grows with you. And life changes and we have different things happen to us and we come into different situations and we can start investing more or less. And that's the path that I really like to walk with my clients. So yes, you know, a hundred bucks in your pocket, you can get started today. Mm, I love that because it it makes it so accessible. And I felt like the stock market investments just felt like this foreign, faraway land that was not accessible to me. And so I just think it's so refreshing to be able to hear that. You know, before we jump into some of the nitty gritty or, or the basics of what those different investment buckets might look like, You mentioned money mindset. Now, as an entrepreneur, I have realized that I have had a complicated relationship with money and with wealth that I know started in my childhood. Now, if someone has is maybe struggling with a money mindset, maybe has a lot of scarcity around money, or maybe someone who does feel that feeling like building their wealth isn't accessible to them. What are some tips that you can give us for kind of helping to strengthen and heal that relationship with money? I think the first thing is just being aware, right? You have to be aware and know what it is and then finding the root cause. You know, At the root of a money mindset is your unique set of beliefs and your attitude towards money. 
So what causes beliefs and your attitude to be the way that they are is just so important. Maybe you came from a situation where someone overspent or got the family into a bad situation or someone who lived so frugally, they never had any fun, right? They never enjoyed their money. There's all these different situations that Sculpt does. And we're all different and we all have lived a different life up until this point. And so really finding that root cause and then learning how to heal it and to, to tell yourself it's okay. It's okay to spend that five extra dollars just on whatever the heck I want to. It's okay to go get my nails done if I can afford that. And that's what I want to spend it on, even though my mom might not have, right? Mm-hmm. That's okay. It matters to me. It doesn't matter to her. That's fine. You know, and there's there's people who who grew up in situations where they were lacking and they just truly couldn't afford it. So then when they do start making money and they're successful, they feel like they can't enjoy it. And that's not that's not good for anyone either. So just finding that root cause and then being able to almost diagnose it and then work on it and changing the outlook. I always like to before I make a big purchase, I like to take a step back and wait. And why I do that, it makes me think. Is this serving me? Is this growing me? And does it meet my goals? Mm. And sometimes the answer is no, right? And I'm, yeah. and my money mindset is if I want something and I can afford it, sometimes I just buy it. But causing that pause makes me stop and think about, you know, that purchase that I'm about to make. And, and that goes back to my, my mindset and my beliefs as a child. So we all we all just have different reasons as to why a relationship is the way it is with money. And I think, you know, just diagnosing it first is the first step. Yeah, I think having that awareness is so, so huge. Um, I love those questions that you ask yourself just kind of to to check in with how it feels when you're spending money on those purchases. I'm going to have to write those down because I know that there are some times where I have been maybe more, more impulsive than I should have. And so just making sure that those purchases kind of align with my values, as you shared, is so, so huge. Let me know if any of this sounds familiar. You want to start a garden this year, but you're overwhelmed because you don't know where to start. You know there are specific soil requirements, planning times, and so many other things that leave you feeling lost. You've thought about starting your own garden a thousand times, but the fear of messing up just holds you back. Or maybe you even tried to start your own garden at one point, but Let's just say it was a train wreck and did not go well. Well, friends, my dear friend, Allie Kelly's Gardening 101 course will help you with all of that. In her course, you'll work through four modules that will walk you through designing a custom garden for your area, detail out what to plant and when, and give you everything you need to know about growing productive and healthy plants. And she'll even teach you how to harvest and store what you grow. You'll also get course worksheets, photo examples, and bonuses to further ensure your success. If this is the year that you finally go for it and plant the garden, do yourself a favor and sign up for Allie's Gardening 101 course. Linked below in the show notes. Okay, so as someone who is new to investing and I still feel very confused about a lot of it. This last year, it was my goal as an entrepreneur to start my retirement account because I knew as an entrepreneur that there's nobody else doing that for me. And so I have set up a retirement fund, but I still, I can't even tell you what what the heck is going on there. So I guess my question is, let's say that someone just wants to start. Where do we start when it comes to investing? How do we even begin to think about what the options are for starting? Yeah. So it really depends on your situation. Um, you as an entrepreneur, you know, probably went 
and the IRA route, right? Because there's mm-hmm. a tax deduction. There's different benefits within that bucket of money that serve you well. Someone who's working a corporate job already has a 401k set up. So they're probably being matched by their employer. They're putting in. So is their employer. That serves them well. They necessarily don't need an IRA because they've got the 401k. So really, your situation is going to be different than the next person's. There's single accounts, joint accounts for married folks. There's an array of different ways we can set up an account. But what really matters is your end goal. What are we working towards? Are we working towards saving up X amount in retirement so Kaya can retire three years early? Like, yes, we are. (laughs) Are we working towards, you know, an an investment account that's actually going to lead us to purchasing another investment? Maybe it's you want to own an Airbnb one day. So that's the down money for the Airbnb. So we're going to grow that money at a certain risk factor to achieve that goal in X amount of years. Everyone has different purposes and reasons why they're investing. So we really, I like to focus on the goal first. And that kind of helps us decide on which account and the risk within that account and um, the diversity that we could take on. And I think this is the benefit of having someone like you to walk you through that because it's also interesting. And I'm curious if you have any insights to share about working with couples because I recognize that, you know, Kaya has her own money mindset. And I had my own experiences around money growing up and my husband's was very, very different. And so now in this marriage and this partnership where we share money, I'm noticing that that relationship with money, we're having to kind of learn each other's relationship with money together. And in the relationship, I am the dreamer. I'm the long-term vision person. So you saying investing in Airbnb, that excites me. I'm like, yes. I mean, I'd love to also own a home for myself to live in, not just strangers, but I'm like, that excites me. <laughs> Whereas my husband is, he's more of the the immediacy. He's like, okay, I can plan through next week. He's like, I want to have money so that I can make a purchase whenever I want to. So he feels more nervous about locking that money away. And maybe that's not even the right way to be thinking about that. But I guess when it comes about to managing money together in a partnership or in a marriage, what are some ways that we can, I guess, have that conversation and get clear on our goals together? Yeah. So this is kind of like learning to dance, right? Everyone leads differently. Everyone styles different. I I love working with couples because a lot of times I get to be almost like the mediator middleman, right? And mm-hmm. something that I walk through with most couples is a, a set of goals and they each have these cards in front of them and they're the same cards, but there's a stack in front of each person. So you're you're not looking at the other one and you're flipping through and they all have different things on them. One could be save wealth for my children. The next one could be travel whenever I want. I mean, they've got all these different statements on them. And you're picking out what's important. So I always challenge everyone. I want you to put seven to the side. There's about 20 in the deck. Pick out seven. Each person's doing this activity. Then we get to those seven. and Like, okay, now we got to pick out our top three. We put those top three forward. So you would put three forward, your husband would put three forward. Then we have six, we come together and we have six. So each of you at your top three. And then we work together as a couple. And I I like to just sit back and watch. And I say, okay, now let's take these six and let's rank them what's most important to the family unit. And as we work through ranking those, there's a lot of discussion that happens because maybe he just wants to have an extra you know, $1,500 saved up in an account somewhere for that impulse spend that he doesn't have to feel guilty about. But maybe to you, 
it's working towards twenty or thirty thousand to have a down payment on a home, and maybe it's not as important to him. But as a family, we come together and we talk about where do these things rank. So after we rank them, we talk about what goals can we put in place, what actions can we put in place right now to start achieving the top three. And it's it is funny sometimes. You know, the guy's like, "Well, I'll just put her three first. No, nope, no, nope, we got to work together. <laughs> So that's really where the action plan comes into place. And it's interesting because sometimes me being on the other side, I'll think, oh, yeah, that's really important. Yes, we should do that first. But I have to be very responsible and disciplined to myself and my clients to let them work through it because everyone's goals are different. And really, those last six cards, they just reveal so much about what a couple's working towards. And that allows me to put together their financial plan of immediates, one days, some days, and absolutely. And I, I love working through that exercise. Ooh, I love that. I'm like, me and my, I need to, I need to call you after this and set up an appointment. Because <laughs> um, I just think that would be so, so helpful just to get on the same page. You know, when it comes to managing wealth, and I think too, especially when you're in a relationship, is there... You know, I've heard people talk about having, I don't know, monthly dates where they talk about money, they talk about budgets, they talk about where they're at. Is there a certain, I guess, time frame that you think it's important to kind of check in financially on how things are going or a rule of thumb that you use? My husband and I, I'll use us for an example. We check in monthly with each other. We have one date a month. That's a business date. And he always tries to get out of it. Like he is not, <laughs> he's not, we have totally different money minds. And yeah. so he, he always tries to make it fun, right? And like, okay, mm-hmm. fine. We're having our business meeting at a bar. I don't agree with this, but I'll be there. So- <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So what we do is we sit down, we check in. We have a rental property business. He runs the farm and the cattle. And then I have Prosper and kind of I do oversee some of our other investments as well. So we kind of just walk through like five different business components in our lives. And then we do a personal check-in, like, okay, is there anything that you've seen that we need to be working towards? You know, what are you seeing in our personal accounts that maybe I'm not? Because sometimes I'm I'm blind to things because I'm looking at them daily. Unlike him, he looks at them five minutes before we meet up for a business meeting. So we like the once a month. I have clients who say, oh, we, you know, they talk to me once a quarter. So they kind of treat that as their business meeting. And I keep track of their budgets and their goals. Um, Everybody's different. I have clients who do it weekly. I think it's very important to do it at the end of the month for the next month because we can always plan for the future, but we can't change the past. Right. So I I love doing it the last week of the month just to, or even the two weeks out, just to where you're planning forward. You're not planning for what already came out of the account. Yeah, I love that. You said the word budgeting in there. And when you said that, I um, it's a trigger word for me because I don't have one. <laughs> And I feel like it's one of those things. It's one of those things that's always been on my to-do list. Like, oh, make a budget. Make sure you're tracking your expenses. But I feel, I do feel a little bit of shame when I look at you, Sadie, and say, I have no idea what I spend monthly on certain things. And I feel like I should be doing that. The average American has no, they don't have their arms around. They have no idea what they're spending. You're not alone. Don't have, feel any shame. The first thing is, is like shame and shame and judgment don't even exist in my office. Okay. All right. Cool. You, Love that. Let's get rid of I that. Mean, 
It's like going to the doctor. You're not going to the doctor because everything's perfect, right? Well, you're not We're coming you. to me because your financial situation is absolutely perfect. Um, so true. Okay. They don't exist. And I mean, we can only get better, right? Like there's always another day to start fresh. I think it, a budget is imperative to be able to kind of keep score of how you're doing financially, how your business is operating, what functions you could work on better, even a high level budget. I, I have free templates actually. And I just tell people, DM me, email me. I need to make them just live on my website where you can just download it. But um, that's another day. <laughs> I think keeping track of that is just imperative to be able to wrap your arms around money and know where you can cut and not cut and maybe where you're overspending. And that's my first challenge to folks whenever I talk to them in my consultation is if they don't have one, is to go get one. And if they need mm -hmm. help, I'm there to support them along the way. For some reason, talking about this makes me think of Brene Brown's quote that clarity is kind. And I feel like clarity with your budget, with your money, with your investments is kind to yourself and your future and your goals. And I'm feeling very inspired by this conversation to be kinder to myself and to finally look at the numbers that I keep avoiding. It is. Honestly, it's the nicest thing you can do for yourself financially is to get a hold of it, wrap your arms around it. And there's like, there's no shame. Like you have done the best you can with the tools in your toolbox. And there is no reason that you can't elevate and get a better toolbox, right? We can always add more tools to it. We can sharpen the tools along sure. the way, but there's no reason that we should ever feel bad about, you know, the way we were spending or uh, financially keeping track of things before you got here and you're where you're supposed to be. And so there's always a new day. And I, I really preach on that sometimes, I think a little bit too much, but in the game of investing, there's, you're never too early and it's never too late. Mm, so it's that. just, it's just important to take charge and to do it. Yeah. I love that. So when it comes to investing, I know that there are so many different complex layers when it comes to what our options are, but high level, what are some of the different buckets, I guess, that we can look at as options when we're beginning? Yeah. So there's several different buckets that you can kind of look at in the investment space. One that I'll touch on briefly that I'm actually in is the rental, the housing market. I have um, long-term rental properties like family units, one commercial property, and then we have some investment property as well that we haven't built on yet. But that is a really great way to supplement passive income. The market, of course, is a beast within itself, but Airbnb market is still hot. People love it, right? Because it's like tangible. You can wrap your arms around it. You can physically see it. It can be enjoyed as well. But then, of course, within the investment space that I work in, the stock market, we have portfolios that are made up of stability, growth, and diversifier. Each one of those buckets, I always kind of do the work underneath them to make sure that the investments with in those pools of money are working for you and meet your goals. So we've got bonds, stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, diversifier sectors where you kind of see like the commodity space. So depending on what someone's risk tolerance is and what their goals are, I will build out a portfolio for them using those three categories. Another space that, you know, is kind of, it's not one that I love, but it's better than not doing anything is using a savings and a money market account a lot of people put their money there because it's safe and it's what they know, which is great because at least they're saving, but it's just not always growing to the max potential that it could. I'm so glad you said that because I've heard, and I'm curious if this is actually true or not. Someone once told me that 
when you only keep your money in a savings account, you're actually losing money because of inflation. Is that true? That's 100% true. Yes. Depending on what the inflation rate is, you're actually losing because the value of a dollar is changing during inflation, right? So if the dollar value is changing, but your dollars are sitting still, you're actually, you're behind whatever that inflation rate is. Mm. You know, I, I'm so excited about the idea of investing in property and kind of like this rental property that you're talking about. Now, as we're recording this, it is the beginning of 2023. And I don't know what it's like where you're at, Sadie, but the freaking real estate market here has been whack. And I am very, yes. And I, I know that there's probably so much complexity that goes into this. I know you're not a real estate agent, but is there a right time or a wrong time to invest in real estate? Is it always a good time to invest? I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. You know, my thoughts in this space change almost daily at this point. (laughs) I admit it. I'm living it. I keep up with it. I know exactly what my ROIs are. It depends on the situation. Sure. My husband and I bought investment property at like the peak of interest rates going up, but we were at the right place at the right time. It was the right piece of property and it was what we considered a right buy, right? So it was, it just, everything aligned with it and it was kind of a no brainer. However, you know, six months before I was like, that's it. We're holding like absolutely no more until we see this calm down. Like interest rates have got to come down for us to consider this again. And so just never say never was the lesson there. And I think it's so situational. We've had this like perfect storm of the highest prices and the real estate industry and then rates, you know, peaking at the same time. But there's people who I'm in Texas. So Texas is just booming. We have people coming from California, New York. Like, I mean, I feel like every day it's just constant and being close. To, I'm, I'm out in the rural side, but being close to a bigger city, like I'm seeing it. I'm experiencing it. Even in the middle of what's going on right now in the economy cycle, there's buildings are still going up. Houses are still being built and prices are still where they were. So is it ever a perfect time? I don't know. What I do know is that 20 years from now, we'll look back and all I'm going to look at is that passive income that I made that set me up for another goal in my financial life. That's really what I focus on. Try to stay big picture because if not, you'll just, you'll kill yourself on was it the right time to buy or not? Sure. Okay, Sadie, I I feel like I just have to ask this question, okay? Because I feel like there's lots of mixed opinions out there. Oh, cryptocurrency. <laughs> what do you think about it? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm not a fan. Um, man, I gotta tread lightly here. I am. I'm not a fan for a couple of reasons, and the biggest one being that. So, in my industry as a financial advisor, I'm heavily regulated. I hold uh, multiple licenses. I keep up with my compliance, my codes. I am backed by a, you know. A, I'm broker dealer and I am held to the utmost responsibility and to, you know, ethically manage people's funds. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that is the most extreme opposite as the crypto world. It is like the Wild West. Like, I literally <laughs> picture, like, let me give you a visual. I literally picture, like, the Roadrunner and, like, whatever that little cartoon bunny was, like, running around with pistols yes. in their hand. Like, that's what it's just crazy. 
have I messed with it personally just to like see what it was about? Because of course I have people ask me like all the time. I've I've put some money in it and I've just tinkered with it to just get a feel for it so that I can talk to clients about it. And maybe I'm maybe I'm just like, you know, I don't know. I sound like my grandmother, but I'm just not willing to advise in it. I'm not willing to count on it. Maybe we will see some regulations come out from the SEC and from the feds that really help us govern it and kind of figure out how to navigate it where everyone's protected. But at this point, that's not in place. And I just, I'm not comfortable in it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I've heard so many mixed, mixed reviews about it. But I think describing it as a Wild West, that kind of sums up the the vibes that I've gotten from it as well. So Sadie, we live in a time when where there is an abundance of information on the internet for free. And I know that a lot of us, when we're trying to learn new things, whatever that might may be, we we go to seek out these free resources. I would venture to say that it is possible for someone new to this to learn for themselves and begin investing. What is the benefit of doing that versus working with a financial advisor? Of course, a financial advisor, we charge fees, right? So it's just like anything else. Like we have to get paid for the work that we do um, and we charge fees. However, the value in that fee is we sort through investments. Well, first, we if you're in doing what I'm doing, working in my space, you're working through a client's goals, you're helping with their budget, you're checking in on them, making sure they're meeting that budget, meeting their goals. And then you're investing to whatever those goals are for that family unit, small business, um, individual, whatever the case may be. And by doing that, that's just something, you know, one level than someone spending, it would take oodles of time to research and to gather the information that I have at my fingertips through um, the different analysts that I'm constantly like talking to, different research departments. Um, so one thing I, I do like to do is I, I use research from multiple different sources and then I kind of gather my own opinion based on what I kind of collect. But the data and the research that someone in my space has at their fingertips is just absolutely next level and crucial for successful investing compared to um, Instagram, TikTok, which you can Google. Could you somehow do the work? Yes, but it would literally take up like every day all day block to yeah. monitor portfolios to the level that I'm able to monitor portfolios. Now, when it comes to just saving and budgeting, is there enough free information out there that you could do it yourself? Absolutely. Like I encourage that all day long. And I'm not discouraging the free investment advice that's on the internet. I encourage it. I always say, learn as much as you can. But I think that there's, you reach a certain level where you do need an expert to help you, right? Because you, if you were sick and you knew you were really sick and you already tried all the home remedies and you already tried everything for free that you could get your hands on and you still weren't getting better, you wouldn't just not go to the doctor. You would go to the doctor. So right. it's this. The same thing in our industry, but I do encourage people to, you know, follow financial experts online, read where you can, keep up with the markets, you know, try to pay as much attention so that you start developing your own senses of what you like and don't like and what you're working towards. But I do always advise to work with an advisor. Yeah, I love that. And it's just like working with, like, like you said, a doctor or a coach. It's I have the impression that working with someone who's obviously an expert, they're going to have so much more resources and information and training and expertise, but I feel like you're going to get to those goals so much faster than if you were trying to do it by yourself. You know, for those people that do want to 
whether they work with a financial advisor or not, that just want to become more educated in this space. Do you have any resources or books or accounts or places that you would encourage people to explore to kind of learn the basics of some of these things? Yeah. So one of my trusty resources on my phone actually is Yahoo Finance. They have a great I know when you think of Yahoo, you think of like AOL Instant Messenger and like the good old days, but they have Yahoo has a great financial department and their app is fabulous at teaching you tidbits on the market. Um, you can also watch the market throughout the day. Then they have some really great pieces. Um, just as things are happening, there's a couple writers there that kind of break it down into layman terms to where you can understand what's taking place in the financial space and in the economy without having to go and look up words and statements and, and really figure it out. It's it's great. It's very straightforward. I love that. I, of course, follow the Wall Street Journal. There's a couple different economists that I follow. However, they're a little bit more high level. There's um, the Savvy Budget online, uh, Instagram and TikTok. I'm working on my Instagram space. Hopefully, I'll it. get my act together and start putting out more information. Um, but I think when it comes to the, like educating yourself, anything you can get your hands on, like read it, take advantage of it, listen to it. Everyone puts together different opinions, right? And if you can read everyone's, you'll start to kind of form your own and just understand more. But I really rely on Yahoo Finance for just like basic common knowledge. It's great. It's a great app. Awesome. Thank you so much for those recommendations. You know, one of the questions that I like to ask all of my guests on the show, because the, the show is called Climbing with Coach Kaya, it's a metaphor for life and how we're always climbing mountains in our lives with plenty of, of high peaks and low valleys. Right now in this season of your life, Sadie, what is a mountain that you are currently climbing in your life or your career? Oh, man. Feels like there's a few right now. Uh, <laughs> baby steps, right? Baby steps are key. So I think being a young female in the finance industry is is one of my biggest hurdles right now. And it's it's kind of one of those situations where I don't blend in, right? Because there's not a lot of females in my space. And then on top of it, the ones that are at the top are mainly they're older than I am. So I'm gritty and I'm just working really hard day in and day out to get my name as exposed as I can, present as much as I can in I think really it, that's that's true to any industry, right? If you're just a, a young, up-and-coming person in any industry. So that's been a hurdle. And then just juggling juggling life, running your own business. Like I'm not just an employee anymore. I don't just show up and run portfolios and talk to clients and go home. I am right now, I'm the HR department. I'm the marketing mm -hmm. department. I am billing and invoicing as well and scheduling. So it's a one-man band at this point. And I, I love it because I'm getting to build it the way, I'm getting to build Prosper the way that I want to, right? And on my own terms. And I can, you know, almost work for any from anywhere. I do have an office in San Antonio, but, you know, the one thing COVID gave us was the power of Zoom and just being able to work from anywhere. So I, I love that flexibility, but I'm a workaholic at heart. So balancing that with being a mom, being a wife, being a friend, uh, being a good servant to who I serve in my community and the boards that I'm on. It, it takes a lot of balance and it takes a lot of self-work for me. So I'm a work in progress. I don't know if the word balance is really ever true. Does that ever really happen? Something has to give <laughs> for something else to take off. But I think just accepting that that's a stage and that's a season that I'm in is mm -hmm. what I'm working on right now. 
I love that. I love that so much. Thank you for sharing. And it's so relatable. I know to so many people that are listening to this. Before I ask you how we can connect and all the things, Sadie, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about the basis of building wealth or just any encouragement you'd like to share for someone who's really making that one of their goals this year, as I know I sure am? My, my biggest piece of advice is just to start. Just walk through the door, right? Take the first step. It's always the scariest one, but take it. Once you take that first step, um, the sky's the limit. And, you know, you don't have to start with a lot, like I said. And just getting going is the biggest thing. And just learning and taking in as much knowledge as you can, working with an advisor so that they can guide you along the way. And I really just encourage folks to to not be scared. Like, do it and do it boldly and be proud of yourself. Be so proud of yourself when you put that first dollar in an investment account. I'm proud of you and I don't even know you. But I'm clapping for you. Well, I know yes, you kind of, yes. but guys, all the listeners, like I'm, I'm wanting you to know I'm proud of you and every bit that you you work at this, you know, whether it's two steps forward and one step back or three straight steps forward is progress. And that's important. I love that. I love that so much. Yes. And listener, if you are, if this is one of your goals this year, I am right there alongside you. And the good news is we don't have to do it alone. And we have this incredible expert that is sharing free information on the internet all the time to help guide us through it. So that said, Sadie, where can we connect with you, learn more from you, all the things? So you can find me on Instagram at Sadie.Schwears, which is, I know, it's funky German name, S-C-H-W-E-E-R-S. Or you can get on our website at ProsperWealthGroup.com. And that will also link you back to my LinkedIn, Instagram, and TikTok. And I also have a kind of blog space there where I'm just keeping up with like the latest news. Um, There's articles that I think are important. You can grab them for free off of there. And if you would like to book a free consultation, just hit the contact me, put your information in and sign up for a call. Amazing. Thank you so much. We will have all of those resources linked down below in the show notes. um, So you can make sure to go and connect with Sadie. Thank you so, so much for joining me on the show and for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and just your encouragement has been such a joy to have you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you, sweet listener, for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.